gonna talk about film music because it's just I'm tired of some things being talked about. Um, basically, why this topic? Well, I think film music is fascinating, and the reason I think it's fascinating is because of the first time that I actually scored something in the picture and I saw the difference between the scene without music and then the scene with music and the decisions I made in the process of uh, choosing to make something emotional in a certain way um, and to change you know, the emotional content of the piece of music throughout the scene. And uh, it kind of just... Uh, thought it was pretty amazing after that. It's also one of the easiest easiest ways to make a living doing music. Um, it's still super competitive and difficult to uh, actually make a living doing it. Um, what is the scope of film music? I'd say there's two types of film music. There's film music that is scored, that is written specifically for the film, and there's film music that is uh, picked by what you call music supervisors to be in the movie. That's music that already exists. And that could be anything that sounds like score, like a classical piece, um, to a popular song that's just in the background, or to a popular song that's in the foreground during a montage. Um, so I guess I'll just talk a little bit about the origins of film music. It kind of Wait, started. Can, I yeah. can you give us an example of a movie that like the soundtrack really speaks to you, and that's why? <laughs> like a movie that's really affected by the soundtrack. Well. I mean, I really like John Williams. I think everything that John Williams has done is, is amazing. And John Williams, if you don't know who he is, he's always collaborating with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, the two most well-known collaborators. And of course, he's done other movies, but he has the fortune of uh, picking and choosing. And so he hasn't worked with many other people, especially in the past 20 or 30 years. Um, and uh, I mean, have you guys seen E.T.? Um, do you guys remember the bike? Scene. Um, you guys remember the music from the bike chase scene? Mm -hmm. I mean, just the whole thing. It's, you know, didn't it's, he also come up with da -na, da -na, Yeah, well, that's jog. that's now essentially like, uh, you know, but like any iconic movie. Yeah. yeah, Star Wars. That's a really good Star Wars, Superman. It's so simple and so iconic. Who remembered da Unless it was set to the picture in such an effective way. That's true. You know? So what do you do in the, in the industry? Are you, are you working in, this, in the film music industry? Yeah. I'm just so fascinated. What is I'm your, a composer. Okay. So I... Composer specifically for, for specifically everything? Specifically for film. Awesome. Yes. Um, two things. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, <laughs> how much does it cost to score a, a piece? Okay. And two, are there specific orchestras that are really good at playing... Like, how does the synchronizing work? Like, if, if okay. they're, like, like... Well, let's, let's do the first question yeah. first. What kind of piece? Okay, so, like, like say that you just are doing, um... Oh, oh, no, actually, okay. I, I, actually, now I remember this is... I've been saving this question for, like, like a year, and so I, like, finally found someone who knows the answer. This actually had to do with, um... Do the same people score, like, now that, like, video games are becoming more and more like films, is it the same group of people? What happened with video games is you had a lot of people who were really into video games oh. doing music, and in the past uh, five years, it's gotten to be that... Uh, do you guys know who Hans Zimmer is? 
Um, Hans Zimmer uh, kind of changed film music a lot in the past 10, 20 years, uh, both in terms of the style of music became popular because he mixed a lot of synths with orchestra, and he also did this thing called sampling, which is taking, it's the best like way. Hip-hop? What? Like in hip-hop? Like not, like, hip-hop. not like in hip-hop. Okay. The best way to describe sampling is like, no. you take a piano, to take a piano and turn it into a software instrument is you like record key. each key at three different velocities. Mm. So like soft, medium, and loud. Mm-hmm. And you do that with the whole keyboard. And then you put that in the computer and you have it triggered so that you play soft and it plays the soft one for yeah. that key and whatever. But it, it's gotten to this point to be incredibly sophisticated. And you have for each keystroke, there's like 10 different samples that, you, that it uses and whatever. So, so it sounds completely realistic in a lot of cases. So anyway, Hans Zimmer is, Hans Zimmer is a huge, one of the most successful film co- and uh, Dark Matter. He, he collaborates with Christopher Nolan, he collaborates with uh, Ridley Scott, and now a lot of his, he, he basically started what was called uh, Media Ventures, and now it's called Remote Control, which is like the composer house. Everybody works under his direction, and all these giant composers have come up underneath that in the past mm-hmm. 10, 20 years. Um, and so what he's done is he's gone and he's made a lot of his own samples, and he uses it to beef up the live orchestral recordings he does. So what it actually sounds like, shit. It sounds, it's, <laughs> it sounds completely fake, but it's like, it has balls, and like a lot of the guys he works with really like that, and a lot of people in Hollywood just, it hits you when it's completely compressed, oh, and it's and it's like, dun, 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 it's just like in your face. Um, like when compose, when uh, directors go and he's scoring the movie, he just like blasts the music in their face, you know, and they're like, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, I can see uh, it. Oh, it's good. It's the sound of a jet engine. Uh, it's not a little jet engine. But anyway, sounds like a hack. Just kidding. Anyway, so Han, Hans is now getting over into video games and he's kind of leading the way with a lot of guys who've worked under him to kind of take a lot of work away from composers who've been built up careers in video games. And they've been two separate realms, video games and film. Because they're different demands and film directors, especially in film, at the highest upper echelon. You know, somebody came up through video games like yeah, that's what's not legitimate. And and the thing is there are exceptions to every rule, big exception is Michael Giacchino, who just won the Oscar for uh, for up. And Michael Giacchino got a start doing the Lost World video game. And uh, oh, he ended up getting attention from J.J. Abrams when he did that. And then he ended up doing uh, Alias. And then Lost, which is what really made his music well-known because uh, he did a very unusual score. And J.J. Abrams pushed to get a real orchestra for that, which is really unusual for people. Oh, yeah. The score is phenomenal on that. Um, so it like makes the show. And Giacchino got to transition over to film from that. Yeah. But so anyway, uh, your question was about video games, which I well, roundabout. Well, the, the other thing was about like, well, so like I recently saw they like in the San Francisco Symphony just played um, the Gold Rush, like the classic Charlie Chaplin film, um, and it was like amazing to see this like Chaplin thing, but they were like so it was so badly synchronized with the with the actual action that was going on, mm-hmm. and and like they're like a legitimate symphony, like it just made me think like. Is there a, is it a different skill set performing these parts? It's not the orchestra's problem; it's the conductor's problem. Oh, yeah. And so, what you're doing in film scoring, especially nowadays, is you're usually recording to a click. So what you have done is you've oh, created a tempo map, interesting. and all the meter changes, all the tempo changes are in them. And when the players are playing, they have a, uh, one earphone on that has the click going, and they're basically playing to that. The conductor is there, and they're helping. Um, the conductor also has the click, and they're helping, especially with the getting the the technicality of the playing to like match what the written score. So is. they map out everything all ahead of time. It's not like it's it's there's like how much improvisation is there any? Well, the 
Dungeons and Crunches and Streamers, which is where there's a streamer saying, hey, in two seconds, there's going to be a punch, and the punch is like a hit. And then on the score, it says there's a punch here, there's a punch there, there's a punch there. And then it says what the tempos are. I'm a good conductor, and he kind of approximates those tempos in his head pretty accurately. Pretty soon are they watching the film that's... that's yeah, and they'll watch the film okay. and with the punches and streamers in it. Gotcha. So, so wow. if you are doing something like that, the conductor should have his own little screen where there's this, the film of punches and streamers, and he should really be paying attention and making sure the orchestra... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that, don't be sorry. This is fascinating. Uh, so that to me sounds a lot about the application and the synchronizing of it. But would you take us through perhaps a sample of your artistic process in in uh, in scoring a film? Okay. I.e., like, do you like? So you watch the film. You get you get this. You get the story. Then you watch it again and look for tiny beats. Do you take notes from the director? Give us your your history and your. Your artistic process and how you how you bring your best ga a game. Okay, it's that. it's different every time. It depends on our relationship with the director. Right. Oftentimes, I'll be brought in when the script is still being written, and I might come up with themes based off that. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually, what happens is the first thing is that I get the, the film, and it's still being edited, or it's at a final cut. It's usually still being edited, and uh, I watch the film with the director. I usually watch it by myself first, and then I watch it with him, and we have what's called a spotting session where we say. Hey, and the music in here, music out there, blah, blah, blah. And we each have our own ideas about what we want. Usually the director has more kind of uh, solid ideas because he's really familiar with the material. And he has certain scenes where the music is, he's like, the music is going to be really important to me. I like the music now. And, um, Eric, he wants it to be ironic in this scene or whatever, and things I might not pick up automatically on my own. Um, and also just lots of discussions of like the style of music, the instrumentation. Um, and then I need to know like what the music budget is and. Like if I'm gonna, if he wants real instruments, what kind of real instruments should they be? And I mean that's that's in a lot of ways up to me. And oftentimes I'll come up with something that I think is really cool, and I'll kind of pitch it to the director and say I think we should do this and argue for that. But usually after the spotting sessions, I'll deliver like anywhere from two to five sketches, uh, which are just kind of like maybe thirty seconds, one minute pieces in uh, styles that we talked about at the spotting session. Maybe one of them is gonna be in a style that I, or something that I kind of came up with afterwards is like, hey, I have this idea or whatever. <coughs> and he, I just use it to kind of assess what he likes and what he doesn't like, or he or she. And uh, and then from that that point, I can start, uh, pick a cue and start scoring. And we kind of just start going. Um, I know some composers like to pick the most dramatic scenes because that's where they're gonna be using all of their palette. Um, but I kind of like to start from a pretty insignificant scene because I can start building the palette from there. And by palette, I mean like which instruments I'm using, which themes, um, things like that. Do you think, uh, in your opinion, that uh, classical music, uh, this is, or film music is basically the natural progression of classical music? And because, um, I mean, like, for example, with operas, you usually, you, you write the story around the music. Yeah. With film, it's like you write the music around the story. Yeah. So do you think there would, I guess, I mean, that would probably just be a musical then. A musical film would be like a film that's written around a, the music. But I don't know. I was, I was just wondering what you were thinking about. I, I, don't think it's the, I don't think it's the natural progression. Mm -hmm. um, within the concert music world, film music is, is kind of looked down upon. And it's been changing the past, I'd say, 25 years. But, um, and a lot of concert composers have come over into film music, and one of them is the guy, I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry, but he works with uh, Coppola now. Um, 
another guy is Phil Glass from the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, huge minimalist composer. Um, from, from I guess New York. New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, and another big minimalist composer who's a contemporary Phil Glass is this guy John Adams, who's one of my favorite composers. Mm-hmm. Is uh, going to be scoring a movie that's coming out I think later this year, next year. Um, so there are concert, very respected concert composers that come over and score movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, uh, uh, film music is it's all about the money. It's just it's just all about the money. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, especially with, like I was talking about those sample instruments, um, they're used to squeeze more and more money out of the movie budget mm-hmm. because you can make it sound really good. You yeah. can make it sound completely real. I think, like, my main thing is that, like, I just, I mean, I hate, like, seeing, you know, just, like, your normal, typical Hollywood film that's just, like, the swoony and, you know, like, the strings and, you know, it's just, like, they, you're forced to feel, like, this this emotional. That's probably emotion. the studio trying yeah. to manipulate you. Yeah, I know, but. Forcing I, their I, hand. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I mean, I, I mean, like, that I wouldn't really consider classical music because it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of forced. You know? Well, I mean, I'm not a musician, so, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of that was sort of developed by classical music where they did, you know, sort of like church, you know, uh, uh, choral pieces and s- figured out like which, you know, how to manipulate emotions and how to create these emotions because they really were working with the story that was already yeah. fixed and, you know, sort of instilled these emotions in, you know, the church audience. You know, would, you, would you agree with that at all? Um, sorry, what am I agreeing with? <laughs> it's a purely I, semiotic issue. It's not, it's not a... That's not it's not a musical question, I don't think. Yeah, or it's like a, it's not like the studios have just invented this technique of manipulating emotion via sound. Oh, that's okay. kind of been like the goal for many, many years, or like instilling right. emotions in an audience to fit a story or things like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, the studios, I, I haven't worked on a big studio film, but uh, from everything I've read, it oftentimes depends on how much clout the composer and or the director has. Yeah. But uh, the studio can a lot of weight on the score, and that one composer I talked to works with this composer named Christopher Young a lot. Uh, Christopher Young is, uh, he did Spider-Man 3, and he's done a lot of horror films, mm-hmm. but uh, this, my friend worked on Spider-Man 2 with Christopher Young, and he said they went in to score, and uh, what should have taken maybe three or four days to record the whole score took like two weeks, because the producers were there, mm-hmm. the studio had people there. And they're just like, well, we don't like like how that sounds with the orchestra. Ugh. You don't understand yeah. what a waste of money that is. Like, yeah. Yeah. literally, literally, like, they probably spent at least an extra million dollars. Um, micromanaging. Yeah, literally micromanaging and having no idea. They just have no idea it's not their field. what they're trying to. At the same time, it's their money. It's <laughs> it's their money, the but policy. also it's uh, you know, if you're making a film for somebody who just wants to go to the movie and feel a certain way while they're watching the movie, you know, then they kind of, you kind of have to listen to them, they kind of, they're, they're coming from a different place than you are where you're trying to... Pull stories. Yeah. And if, if nobody wants to hear the answer to this, you can you can veto this or anyone else can veto this. I'm just curious about the economics of what a film composer start up versus what the Hans Zimmers and uh, yeah, Michael Williams makes, what the economics is, the and the, including the what their budget like what they yeah. agree to budget versus budget wise like I'll do this budget wise and also what they individually <coughs> make, and do they get residuals like you know like writers directors and actors get wait sorry 
you're Most talking about on a specific like project or starting up a career? Speak freely. <laughs> well, it's two completely different things. On a specific project, it's like you get the breakdown is that you get a fee, and depending on how high or low the fee is, you might get other things. You might get um, retain ownership of the music, like on an indie film where they can't pay you that much money. You get to retain ownership of the music, which means that you can license it for other things and receive income and residuals from that. Mm. Um, and yeah, residuals on a big movie or a TV show are, are a big deal. Like you, you make a lot of income from that. And uh, oftentimes things do have bigger than the fees, even if it's, if it's the right project. Um, but yeah, it's basically the fee and then the residuals. Nowadays they usually do what's called a package deal, which is that you have to pay for all the recording and all the orchestrators and the copies and all the, pe all the moving parts and the in uh, players and everything out of your fee. So they give you like a slightly higher fee and then you have to pay for everything out of it. And you can put things in your contract that's like if they want uh, to record more than you originally agreed upon, then they'll give you more money and whatever. But it's just like, a bit, you know, there's, it's just another way to squeeze you kind of. Um, but so as a film composer, like you have to be worrying about all this stuff on top of writing the music. So that's one of, another one of the reasons it's not, uh, it's not classical music. Um, that said, what's cool about film music is that it al allows people to uh, appreciate forms of music they might not otherwise listen to, like mm -hmm. atonal music, particularly sure. spoon parlor, or like they record an unusual writing that uh, is not um, melodic, it's not atonal, it's not, it's like just like crazy sounds, like these strings and stuff like that, that uh, everyone knows now because of horror movies and because um, of avant-garde uh, and that is cool. That's cool. Um, but uh, I think I think it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Last question, maybe. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, can you give us like a give me like trend forecasting for like the next five years in movies, like what you see in terms of music now? Next year, I don't know. Like what trends do you see coming? Are there trends with music scoring? The trend has been. Um, I don't know. There's just there's just mm, there's like a few successful composers out there who I think are still uh, writing like real real uh, interesting music. And uh, what do you mean interesting? What do I mean by interesting? Um, that I could listen to it away from the film and be interested in it. Mm. That I'm listening to the film and I'm really like the scene is already really exciting and I'm like wow and this is like symphonic like yeah. this is really good. Um, and it just enhances the film for me. Um, I'm aware going back five years that I didn't, I had a different opinion of what the good music was and I actually, I used to really love Hans Zimmer when I was first getting into film scoring. I thought Hans Zimmer was awesome and now I really don't. Um, he doesn't use a lot of counterpoint. He doesn't uh, do anything really surprising or unusual. But sometimes he actually does pull something cool out and I actually didn't see Sherlock Holmes, but I listen to some of the score and a lot of my friends who went to see it have a lot of good things to say about it. And I thought the Dark Knight score uh, had some cool, some cool stuff in it. He brought an, elect an electric cellist mm -hmm. and to create like the sound for the Joker, which was just this constantly yeah. rising note that was played through all these different filters and. and uh, mm -hmm. I like that. I don't know. Like that's like one of my favorite scores. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> but, it's, yeah. it's like the new standard. Yeah. Like everybody is temping stuff with the Dark Knight. Temp music is when you put music from another score in the movie and say, tell the composer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's licensing, right? 
That's licensing from the Warner Brothers or from the composer? It's not licensing, because then you, you're saying, okay, write original music that sounds like this to the composer. Um, you just like quote, you're like, you're like, quote, like, this is what I'm looking for, do that, yeah. go. Okay. So some directors just do that because they like having it to edit to, and they like to see, it's like, they're scary to see the scene without music, but sometimes it works That's pretty isn't it? I mean, like, if you, write, if you write a story or it's already been, you know, trademarked or something by another writer and it's very similar, you make... Yeah, right. there is a finite number of stories, period. At all, <laughs> right? But no, it's a different, it's a different talk. But I don't know, I don't know, because people do get sued, people get in trouble, <laughs> and you you never know if it's that the composer was lazy and thought no one would notice, or if it's because the studio is like it's not close enough, it's not close enough, it's not close enough, and the composer's like, "Fuck you, here it is," but like I like you guys are responsible if I get sued, I'll miss a few. And there's a movie, the movie Three Hundred, where the score literally has a part that is. An exact quote of a score from a movie like ten years ago, oh. and they got they got sued and they lost. Three hundred lost. Yeah, and that's certain uh, copies of the DVD actually have different have a certificate a not certificate but like a notice in it about that. So, oh, yeah. that's interesting. What what was up with like what is it the Requiem for a Dream score which or like oh. it's also used like it's used in like seventeen in different trailer, movies. Yeah. Like what's up with that? Do you uh, know what I'm talking about? Okay, so what happened with the Requiem for a Dream thing is the theme is simple, memorable, and uh, but yet uh, it just kind of carries a lot of emotional weight. And uh, somebody was smart, and they hired like a hundred-piece orchestra and orchestrated like a very dramatic rendition of that theme, which is it's like so, you know. Um, <laughs> which is fine, I'm not, it's not yeah, a complaint, you know, right, right, right. but it's funny how that works, and uh, it got used for a million billion trailers. So that was like, but that's the case of like, that was created specifically for a trailer, no, and then, well, you mean, the bad rendition of it was, it was originally the Requiem for a Dream score. Yeah. And then it just like got repurposed and relicensed? Yeah, and Clint Manziel, who did that score, I'm sure, has made tons of money from somebody else capitalizing on it. Uh, and I don't know what kind of, you know, it's like, like, a, it's like a jingle. It's like a jingle. It's like a movie trailer jingle. Yeah. Right. So I, I work for a company that does original music for movie trailers. And I, I, we don't do anything like that, but uh, we just actually write original music, but we don't do knockoffs, which is why I like working for them. But uh, there's a whole industry for writing original music for movie trailers because uh, it's cheaper than licensing a really good piece of music for the film. And uh, they, they're always the ones to use that. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.